Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good, me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Well, hello, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving last week or holiday or weekend. Just getting to unplug a little bit from everything going on. We are back in action this week to the normal grind. And my favorite tournament of the year had its selection show this past Sunday. That is the NCAA Women's Volleyball Tournament. I remember the good old days. I remember playing in that bad boy. Now... I can just watch from the TV and occasionally host some of the best college volleyball players on RealPod. And that's what we're doing today. Joining me is the iconic Zoe Fleck. She is currently the libero at Texas. They are making a run for this national championship. She is without a doubt one of the most outstanding players right now in college. I mean, she plays like a pro. She plays like she's in a different realm. I mean, watching her, it's just, it's amazing. And I wanted to have Zoe on the podcast for a few reasons. First of all, Zoe and I go way back. This is actually the cutest story. When I was playing volleyball at USC my sophomore year, we had the USC camp in the summer and I had a group of campers that I was in charge of. And Zoe, Miss Zoe Fleck was in my group. I remember her. She had this big curly red ponytail. She was so enthusiastic, bubbly, 
just so good. And I, we had this little special bond. I mean, I followed her on Instagram and we kept in touch all these years when she played at UCLA. I remember messaging her and being like, you're killing it. And then she got packed 12 libero of the year, which was unreal. I mean, she just popped off. So we've stayed in touch for how many years has it been? Pretty much five years since I had her as a camper. And she is far better than I ever was. She's freaking slaying. And I am so excited to have her on the show to talk about her journey, her experience, and her mindset as one of the top liberos to ever play in the NCAA. And just to list off her accolades, because if you have accolades like this, they need to be listed. She's a two-time Pac-12 libero of the year, an All-American, a three-time USA Volleyball Collegiate National Team member, and has earned her stripes from being a walk-on player at UC Santa Barbara to the top libero in the country playing for the number one team, Texas. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the amazing Zoe Black. I'm so excited. I don't think I've seen you in person since the USC volleyball camp. I know. I think it's been like seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So seven years ago. And I remember that so vividly. I remember coaching. I thought you were so good. You were so spunky. Because you know what camp, like some people are suspect. Other people are like, okay, you're like, okay, this person can dig the ball. I can hit it a little bit harder. So it was so fun. And I know you grew up in California. So did you want to play in the Pac-12? I mean, what was your hopes? Yeah. So I always wanted to play in California in SoCal. I've always been very much a, a Cali girl. Mm-hmm. LA and USC were my two choices. And coming out of high school, I just didn't really have that many options. Were you heavily recruited or no? Not in the slightest. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't have any power five offers. Isn't that crazy that now you're so good and no <laughs> one thought that like, I mean, it's wild. I didn't have the accolades you did in college, but similarly, I wasn't heavily recruited. And then I played every single game for four years at SC. It's like, how does that happen? Well, liberos are really, really hard to recruit because there's so little technique coaching in club volleyball because most of the people who coach club volleyball just played club volleyball. So the kids who make it to the top of club volleyball are kind of just the ones who were super athletic, figured it out themselves, or who had parents who played at a really high Mm. level typically. And so I just wasn't very highly recruited. I also, the club system kind of failed me a little bit, in all honesty, just because there was so much focus on how well the team is going to do versus how well the individual is going to develop. So yeah, I didn't end up with any Power 5 offers. Ended up as a walk-on at a mid-major. So were you bummed? I was definitely bummed. I wanted to go to UCLA and or USC and neither had offers for me. Wouldn't even let me be a walk-on. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, UCSB wasn't ideally where I wanted to go. And then after two years, I was just not having a very good time but was able to have like the college experience I kind of dreamed of at UCLA. So you played two years at UCSB. And then when you realized you were doing well developing, you were like, I want to hit the transfer portal and see if I can get into the Pac-12. Well, so I was just not really having a very good time playing volleyball, just kind of miserable, was on the verge of quitting. Just because of the pressure of college sports or not having fun? It was kind of a mix of things like I didn't love the program, but I also was carrying a lot of shame, a lot of shame, which made me so angry at myself that I kind of isolated myself from other people. I wasn't a very good teammate. 
And so it kind of went both ways. Shame for what? Sports or a personal yeah. things? Yeah. You know, I was very much in volleyball is who I am. So if I'm not very good at it, if I shank a ball, then I'm a bad person. Got you know, it. which I think a lot of us, a lot of us feel. Mm -hmm. And you have to kind of have to figure out how to separate yourself from those mistakes mm -hmm. in order to be capable of playing. Did you experience imposter syndrome that freshman stop? Yeah, because of the… Yeah, I feel it now. I mean, what? especially now, like I'm so much more in the spotlight now than I ever was at UCLA. And at UCLA, I, I played way more in the spotlight than I was at UC Santa Barbara. But even now, like kids come up to me after games and are like, oh my gosh, you're my idol. Like, I want to play like you. Can we take a picture? Can you sign this? And I'm like, oh, I just had a bad game. Like, why? how do you? And they come up and tell me that I had such a good game. And I'm like, sometimes can be on the verge of tears or like ready to go home and watch film Currently and get better. still. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. But I mean, I've worked through it a lot, but I'm so much more in the spotlight now that it's very easy to be like, oh, I just had a bad game. Why do they all think I'm so good? It's so fascinating to hear that because just watching you play, you seem, and I'm sure this is true in moments, right? In moments we feel present in moments we have joy when we play, but you seem like you're able to really separate the stress of college athletics and almost play volleyball like it is this fun, curious thing and mistakes don't matter and failure is the opportunity. So, and I would just imagine that you're like, yeah, I mean, whenever everyone today and my family is like, oh, you're working today, who are you interviewing? I'm like, oh, I'm interviewing the best libero in college volleyball. Like that, that's not even a hesitation when I say that. So for you to sit here and be like, oh yeah, I'm almost on the verge of tears, like sometimes even here and there. I mean, it's, it's wild. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I've worked really, really hard to get to that point where I can play volleyball with joy, play volleyball free. And the biggest thing that I changed in me is viewing volleyball as what I do, not who I am. And in order to do that, I focus on how I can help the people around me. So when I'm going into a game, I'll like, I do a lot of work to scout my opponents so I can focus on what they're doing. I will pay attention to what our opponents are doing during the game so I can help the people around me. If someone else is struggling, I figure out how I can help them. And that has allowed me to kind of enjoy the game and get better without all the focus feeling like it's on myself. So if we rewind to the slump that you were in, maybe at UCSB, and I know you weren't the libero the first year, right? Mm -hmm. And I know the, I, I want to use the word obsession, but like when you're a back row player, everyone wants to be the libero. I mean, you're literally wearing a different color jersey. It's such a it's such an honor. I mean, like mm -hmm. when I was at USC, I just would dream, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, I was the DS, like of my junior year when this person graduates, like, and it's my time to wear that jersey. It becomes kind of about you when you know you're supposed to put the spotlight on other people, right? Yeah, it's, it's very, very easy to fall into the trap of feeling like I have to be perfect mm -hmm. because all eyes are on me all the time. And that's the expectation. The expectation is you should dig everything and you should receive perfectly. And that's great. You did your job. That's not like, oh my God, that was amazing. It's okay. That's what you're expected to but do. But that's but that's the expectation that we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like no coach is expecting they will be able to dime every single ball or dig every single ball. I'm like, you think? <laughs> <laughs> the good ones don't. Yeah. But I mean, I, it's just, it's completely unrealistic. And so this is conversations that I've had to have with myself as well. What are the expectations? Let's get them out in the open. Instead of just being a negative voice in my head, let's get them out in the open. I expect myself to pass every ball perfectly and like within this little teeny tiny circle of what's considered perfect. Okay, 
Is that actually even physically possible to do? Has anyone in the history of volleyball ever done that? No. Okay, well, that's silly. So let's lower those a little bit. And also, is that helping me? Are those expectations helping me reach that goal, whatever that goal is? No. So let's get rid of them and change, change the narrative that I'm having in my head. Because we're all going to have some sort of narrative. You're going to have those negative voices, but how do you acknowledge them? How do you treat them? Like, are you taking them as truth? Are you taking them as the most important thing in the world? Or are you creating a different narrative that is much more helpful, much more cognizant to what you want to work for? It's so interesting in volleyball too, because the volleyball community loves to create the narratives of who's the best, who's this, who's that. I mean, there's the volley talk boards of, oh, this person should be playing or this coach, you know? So and the conversations about like who's the best or winning, like you won Pac-12 Barrel of the Year twice. So what does the external narrative do to distract you and pull you away from what you're trying to curate? Yeah, the external narrative, the, the media is a tough thing to deal with. You know, there's always going to be people who are saying, oh, this person should be playing. This person is better or this person is the best. Why aren't they playing great? You know, there's that voice is always there. And especially when you're in the spotlight at a place like Texas, every single bad touch I have, it feels like thousands of people are like, oh, how did that just happen? Mm -hmm. And so I've had to figure out over this season, over the past year, how am I going to deal with those? And so I really try to like, I kind of call it my constellation. Who are my people that I'm listening to? Who are my people that I let their voices into my head, into my world and let them affect me? So I have my boyfriend, Robbie, my mom, like my support system. I have my team, my coaches. Sometimes I don't want them in my constellation. I was going to say, right? like, yeah. I had some really toxic, you know, mindsets where I wanted certain players to think I'm the best libero they've ever played with, or they think that I'm better than this libero we're playing against. Like I wanted their approval so badly and it really messed with how I played with them. And it wasn't their fault. It's in my head, you know? Yeah, that's also something that I've had to work really hard for because one of the things I tell myself before every game, I don't need anything from this game. I'm not going into this game to prove that I should be the libero. I'm not going in to prove that I'm the best libero in the country. I'm not going in to prove anyone right. I'm not going in to prove anyone wrong with chip on my shoulder. Oh, I should have been recruited better out of high school. Mm -hmm. I don't need anything. I'm not going to be a good libero or a bad libero because of what happens in this game. I already have a past. I'm going to have a future in the game. Right now, all I have to do, the best thing I can do for myself and for my team is to just play every single ball in this game like it's the only one that matters. Mm -hmm. If I shank a ball, who cares? It's one point. Mm -hmm. If I dime a ball, who cares? It's one point, right? And so coming in with that mindset of, I don't need anything from this game. I'm good. I'm happy where my life is right now. I don't need anything from this game or from the people who are going to watch this game has just allowed me to be like, oh, this is fun. Like I can actually enjoy this. So how do you balance that with the pursuit of greatness, of the drive to want to have a game where you're like, okay, these are the best hitters in the country. This is X team. I do want to get better at this skill or use this opportunity here to improve on defense, on service, whatever it is. I think the, the place where you're focusing so much on improvement is practice. We practice so many, so much more than we play in games. And I'm playing against the best hitters in the country every day in practice. And so I get into a game and I'm like, I've played against a hitter who hits harder than you. Mm -hmm. I've played against a hitter who hits that shot. I know how to dig that. So it's not like I, I never go into a game afraid because I've never seen that. 
I've played with some incredible players at all three schools. I've been so blessed to play with some incredible players. But the time for learning, the time for getting better, the time for really focusing in on what I'm doing and what I can do better is after the game when I can go back and watch the film. Mm -hmm. The next day at practice when I can have like a goal of something I'm trying to get a bunch of reps at. Mm -hmm. During the game, how can I help my team? What can I do to make this person better tonight? How can I help this person feel better in their own skin tonight? So that's, that's kind of how I'm able to be present. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. You guys know I love Athletic Greens. I drink it every single morning. It is that one part of my routine I will never sacrifice. And what is Athletic Greens? Maybe you're wondering, wait, what is this stuff again, Vic? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Now, you guys, this special blend of ingredients, what does it do? It supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your recovery, energy, focus, literally all the things. I personally love taking athletic greens because I'm not big on taking lots of supplements and lots of vitamins. So AG1 is that small micro habit with big, big benefits. It costs you less than $3 a day. And you're investing in this all-in-one nutritional insurance. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. And it is used by professional athletes near and far. Honestly, I wish I knew about it in college because I know in college I was not getting all of my vegetables and nutrients in. And if I had known about Athletic Greens, I would have definitely been taking it. Right now, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give real pod listeners a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I love these travel packs. Do not sleep on the travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash realpod. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash realpod to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm loving everything that you're sharing and I want to like get granular on the ways people can adapt this mindset. Before we do, I think the beautiful thing about being so introspective or growth like that is it's obviously birthed or comes out of the trenches or a place where like you weren't feeling any of those things. And I know we talked about that briefly. Can you share like what was that time like? What were your thoughts like? So when I was at Santa Barbara, I my first year didn't play libero. I played DS. And so you know how that feels. It just kind of feels you're on the court for three rotations. So every time you touch the ball, it's like, oh crap. Mm -hmm. I have like five touches total in this match. So if I mess one up, I'm terrible. And the next DS is tapped in. It, next <laughs> one's up. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're having a bad game, so quick to get pulled. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much pressure on that, on yourself, that I just was telling myself how bad I was and I didn't have a shot. And like, why was I even playing? Ended up, I played great that year. I played really, really well. But I felt like I played awfully. And then the next year, I won the libero job, but never felt like the rest of my team or my coaches really had much confidence in me. Did they or did you create that up in your mind? Honestly, you could be real. You could say they didn't have confidence. I mean, I felt that before. I honestly don't know. I wasn't a very good communicator at that point, so I didn't have the means to ask them. But there were certain things that they said that I was like, 
that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence. And at that point, I didn't have much confidence in myself. And so I went into games just feeling like, oh, this is just not fun. But I would also get bored, you know, because the Big West doesn't have a ton of great teams. They have some really good games Mm -hmm. and then some really just boring games. And so I would just get bored, just not feel like I had a purpose. I wouldn't have goals coming into practice. I'd come in and be like, okay, coach me. Get better. Let's just get through the day. And just not having fun, not being present, not feeling like I was getting better and just kind of beating myself up for everything. And so my sophomore year, we made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament, played at Texas in Gregory and Texas were the number two seed, UCSB unranked. And we lost them in five sets. Crazy game. So much fun. Like we almost upset the number two team in the nation, UCSB. Like, Mm -hmm. and that was the most fun volleyball I'd ever played in my life. And that was like really what changed me wanting to be done with volleyball to wanting to transfer and try again somewhere else. And so it's honestly kind of come full circle now. Right. But then the next year, COVID hit. So I transferred 2020, January. But the biggest thing that really changed my mindset was my boyfriend, Robbie. He's an actor. So I had to go through a very, very similar journey of like, you can't have that negative voice in your head. And when you're an athlete, it comes out in the way you play and the way you interact with people. As an actor, if you have a negative voice in your head, it comes out in your acting. Mm-hmm. Come, It's written all over your face, you know? And so he was able to kind of talk me through these negative voices, these situations, and teach me a better path. Teach me how I could be more positive about myself. Teach me to build up my confidence so it's not shattered when I shank a ball. Teach me to focus on how I'm helping my teammates, which then helps me not focus so much on what I'm doing. So that's kind of what mainly changed my mindset. So you get in a rhythm at UCLA, obviously. You have great success there. I've always found it interesting on my own mental health journey when my environment changes that the things I've learned or gotten better at in one environment now feel like a whole new world. I mean, you might have learned how to play for your teammates at UCLA or how to set goals with your schedule there. You get to Texas and you walk into the gym and you're with a whole new team of girls who don't know you. You don't know what they think about you. There's other girls there who want to be the libero. They're like, who's this grad transfer? Like going to take what I want. You know, there's a lot of politics. Did you feel that rock your mental training a little bit? How did you not let it affect you? I'm wondering like those first weeks at Texas, what the mindset was. Well, the great thing about my transfer to Texas is that I transferred in January. So I had six months, seven months with the team, with the coaching staff before season ever started. So in those months, that's not even a question. Who's going to be the starter? You're just playing. You're just getting better. You're getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. So I got to know the girls kind of on those terms. But I also, I was already like a two-time Pac-12 Libero of the Year, two-time All-American. So again, my goal was I'm not coming in here to prove anything. I'm not coming in here to take someone's job. I'm coming in here because I love volleyball. Mm -hmm. I'm coming in here because I want to keep playing this game until it retires from me. And so I'm not coming in as a threat to anyone. I'm coming in with an open heart, an open mind, like let's be friends. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a transfer, sometimes it can be easy to come in and kind of butt heads with people. But I really came in with the focus of how can I connect with these people? 
I only have a year here. I have less than a year before I'm done with my college volleyball experience. How can I make the most of it? How can I have the most fun this year? Yeah. Gosh, it's like such a mature way to approach volleyball and the game. What's your current schedule like? I've been wondering that. <laughs> What's the number one team doing? How many, how much class do you have? Like, cause it, in my mind, it seems like you have a lot of time to just like casually walk to practice and be like, these are my goals. And I remember like scarfing down food, hair is still wet, going up to the gym. Someone says some annoying comment to me and I'm like, that's the last thing I needed today. And then I have a <laughs> shitty practice, you know? <laughs> yeah. So my situation is a little bit different because I'm a grad student and this is my last semester. So I'm taking two classes, two very chill classes. So I really am not don't wow. have much class at all. I get to spend a lot of time just focusing on volleyball. But when I was at UCLA, I was very, very busy. I had to work my butt off to get a psychology degree from there in a year and a half, basically. But now I'm just doing like a certificate master's program, mm -hmm. which is really, really cool. But I have like an hour and a half of class four days a week. But we practice in the afternoons, 2.45 to 5.45-ish. Everyone gets there about an hour before practice for prehab, warming up, hanging out, getting ready, whatever. So we all get there about like 1.45, 2-ish. We finish practice at 5.45, leave the gym at like 6, 6.15. And that's six days a week unless we're traveling. I know you've posted about Buddhism and the child. I wrote it down here. The beginner's mind which I loved that. I think curiosity is something adults lose. And it's like one of the most refreshing things to see in kids. So as a person, like what kind of relationships are you fostering and vibe are you creating to love your life? I've always been very curious as a person, just really wanting to learn since I like when I was 16 and I kind of started branching out into meeting other people, meeting people who are older than me. I was always drawn towards people who knew things that I didn't who I could learn from. And that's the incredible thing about my partner, Robbie. He's has the most curious, open mind of anyone I've ever met. Like during COVID, when we couldn't play any volleyball, he was like, okay, we need to have something new to learn. Let's play tennis. Neither of us had ever played tennis before in our lives. It's so hard to pick up a racket sport especially it's like such a skill-based sport. You don't use a stick. You're like, it comes to my, I can't play it because I'm used to putting yes. my forearm at the ball. I have pretty good hand-eye coordination, <laughs> but to my hands, right. not to something that's like a foot longer than my hands, but I had to start over and suck at it. Like I was awful, awful when I first started, but we got to like go back, watch again. Then we'd watch professional tennis and be like, okay, what are they doing? What's the technique? Can we figure out? Can we continue to get better? And now I'm pretty freaking good. And it's like two years later, like I could actually compete and play tennis. So that's kind of one of those things that's like, okay, we don't have anything to do that we're learning at right now. Let's find something, pick something new and fail, learn, get better, be curious. And so I kind of try to bring that to my everyday life whenever I have conversations with friends whenever I'm meeting new people it's like what do you know like what can I learn from you what kind of conversations can we have what's your mindset like what's your approach to life I'm just always kind of looking to learn things from different people what happens when you're not vibing with teammates I mean I've had experiences where like I wasn't best friends with every single girl every single girl's not best friends with me 
and same for them and their relationships with each other. I mean, it's just like not natural. Everyone's coming from different places and backgrounds, different wants. Yeah. I've honestly haven't been like best friends with a teammate at all in college. Most people like your your best friend on the team is the person you live with mm-hmm. or the person you spend the most time with. And mine is Robbie. <laughs> so like I have, I'm close with all my teammates, but I'm not best friends with any of them because my best friend is Robbie. So I don't have to be like tolerant of people. Do you ever have people tell you like, you're too close with your boyfriend or you guys do too many things together and it's not healthy? Maybe we've had that in the past, but I think all the people that we interact with together see how good we we like vibe off each other because mm-hmm. I'm a super intense person. Like I put everything I have into anything I do. I care a lot. And that used to be something that I was embarrassed about and so kind of put a damper on it because I didn't want people to think I was super intense. And then when I got to UCLA, I was like, I'm freaking intense person. Like, <laughs> this is who I am. I'm going to watch all the film. I'm going to care a lot. I'm going to come in every single day with things I want to get better at. This is just who I am. And then people kind of get used to that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, this is who Zoe is. And then they meet Robbie and they're like, oh, damn, he's really intense too. Yeah. And so we just vibe off of each other. And so I people don't really question us anymore, yeah. but definitely at the beginning. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, school. I remember the first time I felt like I was really navigating the most challenge ever, and it's when I was playing college volleyball. And that was the first time that I reached out to help for a therapist, and it changed my life. I talk about therapy pretty much every episode on this podcast. You guys know how much of an advocate I am for it. I mean, therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. And as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. And then if things aren't clicking for whatever reason, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime, which that could not be simpler. I know how hard it is to find a therapist and find one you love. BetterHelp makes it so seamless. There's no waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash realpod. That's betterhelp, better, H-E-L-P.com slash realpod. I love that you said that's who I am and I'm just going to be about it. And something Nicole Davis, who's my mentor, says a lot to me is just like, if you're about something, like be about it. And I've I've pushed back like, hey, what if someone's like really into shopping? Like, isn't that a bad thing? She's like, if someone's really into shopping and they love looking at what's new and they love trying it on, they love buying it, be about it. Like, then that's what brings you joy. And it's it's so true. We spend so much time thinking, oh, they're going to think I'm this or I'm that, or I have to fit in. I felt like actually as a volleyball player and I randomly cried about this in therapy recently, you know, when you don't think something is going to affect you anymore, but I was recalling some of my volleyball experiences and I just felt like I have a very outgoing personality. I'm bubbly. I talk a lot. I talk fast. That's who I am. I felt like it was told to me, you're a spaz. Your anxiety is the team's anxiety. Like just making me feel like I had to become smaller, quieter, chiller. And that made me feel even more anxious and more 
uncomfortable with myself because that's not who I am. I'm loud. I'm talkative. I'm wired. And I function great that way, you know? And it's like, and I wish I knew that sooner, like how you were like, okay, then I'm just going to be intense. I wish I was like, no, I'm just, maybe I am spastic. And to me, it's not a negative thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I absolutely had to go through that. And I think honestly, everybody kind of has to figure that out as they're figuring out who they are. It's like, do I try to mold that into what people expect me to be or to what society has told me I should be? Or do I just be who I am? We kind of like all go through that journey in our own way. Mm-hmm. But when I went vegan, which was over four years ago, like that was also a kind of weird, different thing that didn't really fit in. And so I kind of had to be like, I have to be about this because people are going to question me. People are going to ask me why. People are going to ask me all sorts of questions about how I do it. Is it hard? And why am I doing it? It would be so much easier to not do it. Mm-hmm. Do you get enough protein? Like, I get so many questions about it, but that started four years ago. And so I had to really be about it and figure out why I was doing that. And it's become such a central part of who I am that I love animals. And so I'm not going to pay for them to be slaughtered. And so that kind of was like just eye opening. This is who I am. I'm going to be about it, whether or not people question it, because I know this is what I believe in. And so then me like being intense and really loving volleyball and dating someone who's older than me, like this Mm -hmm. is what I, this is who I am. This is what I want. Whether or not people question me on it, whether or not it fits in, like I'm going to be about this because this is who I am. I love that. You're so passionate about it. And you've taken the work to say like, you know, what's clear to me and that I can stand behind confidently. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also saw something you posted about femininity, like leaning Mm -hmm. more into that. Can you Mm -hmm. share with me what that is? Because I feel like I'm kind of, same but different place of trying to embrace, I think, more of like a sexier side of myself. Yeah. So I have two younger brothers. My mom is a personal trainer. She's a professor of kinesiology. And my dad was a professional athlete. So I grew up around sports, around being strong. And I love sports. I love being strong. But I never really my mom didn't really wear any, any makeup, didn't get her nails done, like didn't really wear skirts. It was just all what would be considered masculine energy. And so I just was never really in touch with that side of myself at all, which made being 16 so difficult. <laughs> like I hated high school, hated it. Because you weren't excited to do the, the dress for the formal or yeah. getting ready with the friends. I, I just, I didn't feel pretty. I didn't know how to, how to feel pretty, how to feel confident in that side of myself. I felt so confident on the volleyball court, but had no idea like how to be in touch with that feminine side. Like, let's explore your style of clothing, which has developed so much over the last five years. I saw your Vicks fits. Yeah. I like almost want to do that now too. (laughs) It's so funny that people love that because I would have thought no one cares what I'm wearing. This is, but now it's become such a part of what I do. And I, and I love taking the time to make an outfit because the judgment voice in my mind said, this is stupid. This yeah. is stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah. No one cares what you wear. You just shouldn't care what you wear. And I'm like, you know what? No, it feels amazing to take the time to put on an outfit and feel awesome yeah. about it. Yeah. I love putting on makeup. I put on like a teeny tiny bit of makeup today and I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, <laughs> I forgot like what it feels like to have my hair down and put makeup on because I'm every single day, hair up in a ponytail, mm-hmm. working out, getting all sweaty. Can't and- even have long meals. Can't wear a bracelet. Yeah. Like getting acrylics, getting my hair done like putting any product in my hair, doing my makeup. That's just something that I've started to just explore what it feels like. Like I think Robbie bought me makeup for like my 20th birthday and it was like 
one of the first like makeup palettes I'd ever had. I was like, I don't know how to use this. <laughs> and oh, by the way, that makeup artist that you like After? learned from. Did you do a lesson with her? No, I really want to. You though. should. I really want to. No, it was amazing. It's gotten me so into makeup. I know you post it all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, that looks so good. No, and now and I'm you do it yourself. Now too. I feel like I'm literally so good at it. Yeah. I I have so many palettes now. I take like an hour to sit down and do my makeup. I love it. I used to yeah. be like a 10 minute blink of mascara concealer. Yeah. And I would think that was like so done. And now it's like an art form. Yeah. And people will say like, oh, don't wear as much makeup. You don't need as much makeup. And I'm like, it's not even about that. I just, I like to do it. It's fun for me. You yeah. Know? And it feels good. Like mm-hmm. it feels sexy and feminine. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like, feels like the complete opposite of being on a volleyball court. Yeah. Like on a volleyball court, you're there to be a warrior. You know, you're fighting in a battle to win. And then off the court, you get to be feminine. I love to feel little. Mm-hmm. like just feminine and kind of cared for because I'm typically the one controlling things and caring for other people so very outwardly focused and then if I get to be feminine I get to be sexy I get to be little and put makeup on that's something that I'm very much have been exploring the last couple of years and mm-hmm. I'm still very much figuring that out <laughs> and yeah. it's it's so fun yeah. I think a lot of fem- female athletes are kind of deprived of that right. as we go through high school and colleges because you don't have time right like I don't dress up nearly enough because when when am I dressing up pretty much never mm-hmm. I'm always playing volleyball and on my nights off I'm at home watching a movie with my boyfriend yeah. you know so it's it's definitely a journey and something that I want to dive into more I feel like two big themes I'm getting from you and kind of the life you're living and what you've shared is the first one was just like no expectations I, you specified on the volleyball court like just entering into those moments with no expectation. Like I'm just here to experience this moment and what comes, I'm going to deal with it in this moment. I think that can relate to life too. Like not expecting things in work, in friendships and relationships on your birthday, when you're going to dinner, like not expecting, is there going to be balloons? Are they decorate the table? Cause then you're showing up judging it, right? Just like waking up and living that life as if there's a total blank slate. And then the second thing is what you just shared, which I feel once again, I resonate with because I just watched the Selena Gomez documentary and I don't know why watching that documentary made me feel this way, but it was so emotional and it was very sad. And I think for me, it was like seeing someone who prior to watching, I knew Selena Gomez had mental health struggles, but I also knew she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. She's got this amazing career. She's got this amazing company. Like at the end of the day, she has this life that so many people would want to live. And then I watched the documentary and saw like how she struggles behind the scenes and she's not super happy. And I guess it made me think like, whoa, if I'm trying to make my way in this career or get more notoriety or followers or whatever it is, I'm like, I'm trying to get where, because I actually love every single thing about my life right now. Like I, that night made a screensaver for my phone that has all these little pictures of the different pillars of my life. And just, I have it all right now in the middle because I feel like every day I wake up, like I need to get this person on the podcast. I need to post more TikToks. I need to do this. I've got to get. And it's like, why? Because I love everything now and I'm going to be 80 one day. Like, okay, now I can rest. Now I should go to the beach and have fun. And it's like, I can't do that when I'm 80. So I think there's something to be said about It's great to have goals. It's great to want to pursue them, want to be better, but you have to find a way to do that 
and integrate it into your life as like the process and you're fulfilled currently, you know, like you're finding joy in the pursuit, but you're not resisting the happiness or the relaxation of the current moment. Yeah, I I so vibe with that. I absolutely have goals, like have big goals, but I don't expect myself to be happy once I reach those goals. Because once they come into focus, once they're closer, once I've reached them, there will always be a next thing, right? And if if it's always like, oh, once I do that, then I'll be happy. Once I do that, then I'll be happy. Once I get there or that award, then I'll be happy. That's wasting away your life. You know, one of the things that Robbie always says, he's like, if you won the lottery today, what would you change? Absolutely freaking nothing. I'd probably invest in some real estate, but like right. I have a really nice apartment that I really enjoy. I'm living with the man of my dreams. I'm playing on the best volleyball team in the nation with an incredible team. I get to see my mom pretty much every weekend. Like I'm going to be going pro hopefully pretty soon. What would I change? Nothing. So why would I say that I'm going to be happy once I get that award mm-hmm. or once I make that team? Or once I get there, no, I'm happy right now. And I have these goals and I'm going to work every day to get there. But I enjoy the work. Like I enjoy failing in practice and getting to come home, watch the film and talk about it with Robbie. Like what, okay, what happened here and why? How can I, what's a cue that I can work on tomorrow to help me get to this goal, to help me get better at this? How can we make this a little bit more efficient? And what pro volleyball happened today? What volleyball, what college volleyball happened today? Can we sit, like we, <laughs> after our matches, we'll come home and there were other volleyball matches that happened that day too. I just played one, came home. It's probably like nine, 9.30. Let's sit down and watch a volleyball match. Like what other game happened tonight? And I love that. I love volleyball. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to be happy once I make the national team. I'm not going to be happy once I get my first pro contract. Sure, those are going to be awesome. but. I'm happy right now. So going into the tournament, (laughs) you know, are you preparing to fail? I know that there's so many quotes of like not wanting to entertain a plan B, especially as an athlete, but it sounds like you need to probably process like, yeah, we might win the national championship. We might not. I mean, how are you going for this goal and having the eyes on the prize, but also being a realist so you don't feel the weight of the world on your shoulders? I think rather than being a realist and just like accepting or like figuring out what's more realistic to happen, it's I don't need that. I don't need to win a national championship to feel like I'm a good player, to feel like I'm a good person. I don't need to win that game to be good, you know? And so we're obviously going to go for it as hard as we can. And I care a lot about getting there and winning it. But not winning it is not the scariest thing in the world. Like if we don't win it, it's not going to be the end of the world. People are going to forget next year. Like we already lost a game this year and everyone flipped out when we lost it. But freaking credit to Iowa State. They played a hell of a game. And you know, yeah, we lost. We didn't play the great the greatest game, but on to the next. Like let's figure out what we can learn from it and on to the next. It didn't crush us. It didn't mean we're out for the season. It doesn't mean we're not going to get the number one seed. If the scariest thing happens, if you lose, is it really the end of the world? No. And so you can go for it and be okay with whatever happens. You're going to be okay if you win. You're not going to be the richest person in the world all of a sudden. 
you're going to be okay if you lose. So one follow-up is how do you level that with trying? It's like, you're going to, you're trying, you're going to try so hard. You're going to do everything that you can because you obviously want to win. You know what I'm saying? Like, so for people who are like maybe struggling a little bit to be like, okay, how do I apply that Zoe? Because I want to really win this starting spot or I want to win this game. I also know, okay, I don't need it. And then my life will be fine if I don't get it. But then how do I stay motivated to try hundred percent? So that's what I was like dealing with or struggling through at Santa Barbara because I have always, I've always cared this much about winning about volleyball, but I was so afraid of failing that I was like, okay, it's, it will sting less if I fail, if I don't give absolutely everything. 10 years in the future, you're going to look back and regret it if you didn't try. You're going to always say, what if? You're not going to look back and just be so sad that you lost. You're going to be like, I could have, or maybe I could have. And so now it's like, I'm going to give absolutely every ounce of my focus, of my energy, of my will to getting to these goals because for future Zoe, basically. Because if I don't, then I'll look back and wonder and look back and regret. And now whatever happens, I'm going to be okay with it. Future Zoe is going to be okay with it because I gave it my all. If I don't, that's where the regret will come in. Mm -hmm. I love that. Max says that a lot to me because he didn't get his dreams in sports. And he's always saying the worst thing did happen. Like his worst fear happened. And he was like, and one, I'm fine. And two, I have no regrets because I did everything I could. It's still sad. It still sucks. But you're able to move forward. Thank you so much, Zoe, for coming on the show. I love talking to you. You're just, you're rad. I don't use that <laughs> word a lot, but I feel like you're rad, you know? Thank you. I love talking to you. And there's there's so much of what you share on social media that I vibe with. And I know so many people just look up to you and are so inspired by your journey and what you show the world and all the struggles you go through and how you've gotten through them and and where you're at mentally now. And you relate to so many different people in so many different walks of life. And you're very inspiring. So thank thanks, you for having thanks me. Thanks so much. And I'm still like, you make me want to play volleyball because I wish I could like go back and have the Zoe approach of like, it's joy and this is what's in my control. And I'm trying to like start like a scrappy open gym in like Santa Monica with some washed up oh my players. Gosh, do from, it. I know I'm, I'm trying to, but thank you so much. I feel feelings are mutual and good luck. I I'm if USC doesn't make it, I'm I hope they make it. I'm rooting for you though if they don't. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Pod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of Real Pod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with Real Pod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.
Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.